Good morning, everybody. Back in 1995, a movie was released into the theaters called Dead Man Walking, and it was based on a true story about uh, two men who had brutally murdered a teenage couple. They turned this into a movie, and it was starring Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon. And as I said, it was based on a true story, but Sean Penn's character, Matthew Poncelet, was a composite of the two men who were convicted of this crime. And uh, during the movie, Susan Sarandon's character, Sister Helen, comes to see him in prison. And she recognizes pretty quickly that he's arrogant, he's sexist, he's racist, and shows absolutely no remorse for his crime. Well, she begins to develop a relationship with him, and they do form a kind of a bond, even to the point where he got to know Matthew's uh, family, but she also got to know the families of the murdered boy and girl. And over time, uh, Matthew Poncelet begins to soften, and he realizes what he's done, and he confesses his crime. And she tries to get his sentence commuted to life imprisonment instead of death by execution, by lethal injection. And uh, it, that fails. And so when Matthew Poncelet realizes that he's going to die for this crime that he has committed, um, Susan Sarandon's character, Sister Helen, um, is, stands with him. Uh, she's by his side. She's merciful to him. And she's there on the day that he is executed. Now, what Sister Helen did for Matthew Poncelet was an act of kindness, of mercy, towards a man who was completely unworthy of it. Now, I know what it's like to be the recipient of an undeserved or uh, unexpected act of kindness. I've had people show me uh, uh, acts of kindness all throughout my life just as you have. I remember one time a friend of mine, Kevin Gales, surprised me. He was a guitarist, and he surprised me with a gift of uh, a Fender Stratocaster. It was blonde. Uh, it was quite distinctive looking. Eventually, it was stolen when our house was broken into. But I'll never forget that one act of kindness. And that was just one. But there's nothing that compares to the kindness of God. There is no greater kindness than God's kindness to us. And I know that those of you that are watching and listening to this, you've been the recipient of unexpected and often undeserved acts of kindness. And so I want to ask you, how did that make you feel? Uh, what did that do to change you? Or did it change you at all? Um, did it fill you with gratitude for what was done for you? Uh, and did it cause you to say, you know, I can't repay this, and I don't need to repay it, but I want to pay it forward so that what was done for me, I can do for others. I think most of you joining us today can identify with this Matthew Poncelet. Um, and the thing that I just mentioned to you already is that our God is kind. He's good. And a lot of times people don't think of God that way, but He is. Earlier on, Madison read the scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. And it begins with these words, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Now, there's a lot of terms that the Bible uses for people that don't follow the Lord, that follow the ways of the world. It uses words like lost, 
uh, blind without hope, but here it says you're dead in transgressions and sins. And so before I was a Christian, I was like Matthew Ponsolet, I was like a dead man walking, but I didn't know it. And it reminded me of the movie The Matrix starring Keanu Reeves where he plays the part of a, an ordinary computer programmer by the name of Neo. And uh, Neo kind of felt like um, things weren't quite right in the world, but he wasn't sure what it was. Eventually, he is awakened to the reality of the world, the real world, and he, he learns that it's a ravaged wasteland where most of humanity has been captured by a race of machines that harvest the heat and electrochemical energy of human bodies as their power source. And so it says that the minds of the people in the world have been uh, imprisoned in this artificial reality called the matrix. And Neo joins the rebel forces to try to oppose this false reality. And so as Christians, the lesson there is that we should not be fooled by appearances. We meet people every day who look like they're alive. They're walking, they're talking, they're breathing. Um, but the Bible says if they don't know Christ, they're spiritually dead. They have biological life. In the Greek, uh, there's two words for life. One is bios, that's where we get the word biology, and the other one is zoe, Z-O-E, and that's the word uh, for the kind of life that God gives, the life that the Father in heaven gives to us through His Holy Spirit who lives in us. Um, and so when we become Christians, it's like what happened to Neo in the movie The Matrix. Suddenly our eyes are opened, and we look around us, and we see the world for what it is. We, we look around us at our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. We go, you know what? They're dead in sins and transgressions. And I need to do something to help them just like God helped me. The Bible says they're dead. And so verse 2 says that this is the life in which we used to live, we Christians. But now we're no longer what we used to be. So let me read this again. Verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in the life that you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, when you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It's talking about a ruler of a kingdom. It's talking here about a spirit. It's talking here about evil. But evil here is not just an impersonal force. We often think of evil as evil is the absence of good or evil is the opposite of good. Well, that's not true. Here, evil is a person. And his name is Satan, the devil. And just as there is a personal God who created the world, the universe and all that exists, who created you and me, um, there's also a personal being called the devil who's responsible for the evil that we find in the world. And his mission is to keep us as human beings under his control, uh, to blind us to the reality that is around us so that we can't see the truth. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says this, and it describes to us what it's like to be dead in transgressions and sins and under the influence of the evil one. All of us also lived among them, those who followed the ways of the world at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts 
And like the rest, we, the Apostle Paul who wrote this was a Jew, he's going, we Jews, God's people, were by nature deserving of wrath. Before I was a Christian, folks, I lived in sin. I did not know God. I didn't give regard to God. I just lived for myself. I thought I was living, but I really wasn't living. I was dead in transgressions and sins. And I was a slave. I was incapable, not only of incapable of pleasing God, but I was incapable of pleasing myself. I couldn't even live up to my own expectations. And so the Apostle Paul in this passage, in effect, he's saying, you know, there's no exceptions. All of us, he says, are children of wrath. We're all really dead men walking. We're all under the sentence of death. And he's saying, really, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is, your spiritual pedigree. It doesn't matter how religious you are or what kind of uh, religious rituals you follow. It doesn't matter if you were born a Roman Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Baptist. That, That makes no difference to God if you don't have Christ in your life. My wife this morning got up not she didn't get up, but after her devotion, she got up from the table, and she came over to me, and she said, can I read you something? And I said, sure. And uh, I think she's starting to read through the book of Isaiah, because she was reading in her ESV, uh, which is the uh, English Standard Version study Bible, she was reading the introduction to uh, the prophecy of Isaiah. And this is a quote that she extracted from that, and she read this to me. She said, God is offended by religious ritual. Did you know that? God is offended by religious ritual, however impressive, if it conceals an empty heart and a careless life. That's the kind of life that's being described in the first three verses of Ephesians 2. See, God cares nothing about our rituals. He cares nothing about your religious background or whose family you grew up in or where you go to church. And so Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, paints a very grim picture. Before coming to Christ, I was like a dead man walking. I was on death row with no stay of execution in sight. Now, that's the bad news. That's the bad news. The good news is coming up in verses 4 and 5. And there's a real dramatic change of tone here. Let's watch this, verses 3 to 5. It says, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, watch this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. I want you to notice the change of tone. Notice those two words. But God, we were children of wrath under God's judgment. But God made us alive with Christ. He came to our rescue. Ravi Zacharias, a well-known Christian apologist who just died earlier this year, I think it was earlier this year, he said something very profound, and I don't know if it originated with him, but this is what he said. He said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's what this passage in Ephesians is all about. Not about going from bad to good, but it's about going from death to life. 
And the beauty of what God does is he doesn't just tell you you're dead. You know when somebody comes up to you and they just they tell you about your problems or they tell you what you're doing wrong or what they don't like about you and then they just walk away? God doesn't do that. Um, what this passage of Scripture shows us, especially verses 4 and 5, is that God shows you what you're like and he says you're dead in transgressions and sins. But God has made you alive through Christ. God shows you what you are. He shows you how lost and how blind and how naked and how dead you are, but then he brings you the good news and he makes you alive. He raises you to life. And so you see, when you're dead, you do bad things. When you're alive, you're now able to do good things. You're actually able to become a good person. You're able to become like God and to be kind. Um, so the Christian gospel uh, offers real hope to people who are dead in sins and transgressions. God wants to change you. He wants to change who you are. Not just forgive you. He wants to give you a new identity, a new destiny. And this is why the Christian message, the word gospel, actually means good news. Now this is what it says in Ephesians verse. Chapter 2, verse 3, at the very end, he says, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And when he says that we're deserving of wrath or we're called children of wrath, he's not talking here about natural consequences or just the law of sowing and reaping, you reap what you sow. He's talking here about God's active judgment and displeasure against the sin of people in the world. Uh, some people will say, well, you know, no, 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 God, God doesn't judge. God doesn't, never gets angry. God is love. And if God is love, then there can't be wrath. He can't be angry. That's a lie. That's not true at all. It's not what the Bible teaches us. God does get angry. And you know what? I'm glad that God gets angry, aren't you? You see, hypocrisy angers God. Should it not? Uh, injustice angers God. Should it not anger Him? Cruelty angers God. The evil that people do to other people angers God. It should anger Him. I, I want to know a God who gets angry against such things. So don't think for a moment that God's love means that He's soft on sin. He's not. God stands in judgment upon sin, but He's also merciful to sinners. You see, we can't appreciate the mercy of God until we have felt the judgment of God. You know, there's a story in Luke chapter 18 that Jesus tells, and it's about a religious guy, very, very holy looking on the outside, and he's a Pharisee, and he's very, very proud of his spirituality. He's proud of his religion. But he's kind of an empty shell, really, as far as God's concerned. And he's bragging to God about how wonderful he is. But then this tax collector, who's, and tax collectors were a despised profession. He comes in and he knows that he's been dishonest, that he's ripped people off. And he comes towards the temple. He didn't even go all the way in. He felt so ashamed of himself. He felt the judgment of God. He felt the wrath of God upon himself. And all he could do is he, he bowed down and he wouldn't even look up. And all he could do is eke out one little prayer. And he said, God, have mercy upon me a sinner. That man went home acquitted and justified in the sight of God. You see, 
He could receive the mercy of God and he could appreciate it because he knew and felt the judgment of God on his sins. And so you see, God's mercy and God's wrath, his anger, are two sides of the same coin. They're not contradictory. Um, so let me explain it this way. What, how would you, what would you do if you were walking down the streets and you looked over to your right and you saw a, a person abusing a child? And, uh, and you're thinking, okay, this is really wrong. What emotion would you feel in that moment? I think you'd be feeling two emotions. One is you'd, you'd, you'd feel mercy and compassion for that child. But you would also feel anger towards the abuser. And what I'm going to ask you is, what would you do about that? Would you stand by and do nothing? No, I think in your, with the combination of mercy and anger, I think you would go over there, you would try to restrain that person from hurting that child. And you would even use physical force if you had to. And what's happening is the combination of mercy and your anger towards the perpetrator and mercy towards the victim is they're operating together to bring about a good outcome. And that's an act of kindness. You see, if sin was not serious, um, there would have been no reason for Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross. Behind me is a cross, a symbol of a cross. And when you look at the cross, just remember that Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood on the cross. And that's really, he took the judgment of God upon himself. But by doing that, that was an act of the Father's mercy at the same time. And so we see in the cross the wrath and the mercy of God all in one. Verses 4 and 5. Because of his great love for us, God was rich in mercy. And he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And then Paul can't help himself. He's just overwhelmed at what he's saying and writing in this letter to the Ephesian Christians. And he says, it is by grace you've been saved. And he repeats that later in verse 8. This is all about grace. And the Apostle Paul is just overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done. And he knows, and this is true, that God was under no obligation to save us, to rescue us, to show us mercy. God just chose to save us. God was absolutely free in his act of mercy and in sending Christ for us. And that's why I said earlier in this message, there is no greater kindness than God's kindness to us through Jesus Christ. Unlike Sister Helen in the movie Dead Man Walking, uh, you know, she couldn't save Matthew Poncelet from execution, from death. But unlike her, God can. See, God, God doesn't just show compassion, mercy. He actually has the power to save us from execution, so to speak, to save us from death and to give us life. He can do that for you as well. So if you don't know Christ today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I, I got news for you. The bad news is you're like a dead man walking. Um, and so you know what's interesting about a dead person? What's interesting about a dead person is they don't know they're dead. Um, they're just dead. And G.K. Chesterton, who um, 
was a very, very well-known uh, philosopher, uh, writer, theologian. He once said this, great insight. He said, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. And so what's interesting about that is that when you're dead in transgressions of sins, you just got to follow the way of the world. You just got to go with the flow. Not realizing that you're dead and that it leads to death. Eternal death. But once you've been made alive and your eyes are opened and you can see, like Neo did in the Matrix, you can see the reality of what's going on around you. Your eyes are opened. Now you go against the stream and you don't just do what everybody else is doing. You can live by principle. And you become alive and you begin to do good. And so I want to ask you, how do you feel about a message like this? Does it make you feel thankful? This is Thanksgiving weekend. And it's a, a time of year when we're reminded to give thanks. You know what? There's no greater kindness than the kindness that God has shown us through Christ. Would you be thankful? And, and you might be saying, well, how do I show, express my thanks? Well, you can do it through song. You can just say in prayer too, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and recite all the things you're grateful for. But you know, the best way to express your gratitude to God is to, to pay it forward. Say, God, you did all this for me. I was dead in transgressions and sins, and you made me alive in Christ. You rescued me. You saved me from death row. Now I just want to spend the rest of my life paying it forward to others. I just want to end with a story, Les Miserables, written by Victor Hugo. It's uh, several movies have been made based upon that story. It's a story about Jean Valjean, who stole a loaf of bread, ended up in prison for many, many years, hard labor. Eventually, he's released, and he ends up in the home of a bishop. And he, in the middle of the night, he steals some silverware from the bishop. And uh, he, he, he leaves in the middle of the night, makes an escape, and then he's caught by the police the next day, and they bring him back before the bishop, and he's expecting to be punished by the bishop for what he has done. But to his surprise, the bishop says, Jean Valjean, he says, you only took the forks and spoons and you forgot the candlesticks. And Jean Valjean's like, what? And then he says to him, he says, here, take the candlesticks. Feel free to come and go as you please and take what you like. Now go in peace, Jean Valjean. And then he whispers, the bishop whispers in Jean Valjean's ears and he says, Jean Valjean, my brother, he calls him my brother. He said, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your poor soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts and the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Wow, beautiful words. You know what kindness does? Is it changes people. It changed, it transformed Jean Valjean. And it can transform you as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you that there is no greater kindness than your kindness towards us through Jesus Christ when we were dead in transgressions and sins. And it says, but God made us alive because of his great mercy, his love, he made us alive with Christ. 
And if you're not a Christian right now, or you're not sure if you're a Christian, would you just say right now, Lord, I feel the judgment of my own sin. I know, Lord, that I've not said and done the things I ought to have. And I know, Lord, that I am, as the Bible says, a child of wrath. And I know I don't deserve your kindness, but you've given it freely because of your love, your grace, your mercy. And now I know and I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, Father, you sent him to die on the cross where your wrath and your love met. And I know that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Lord. I receive your mercy and I receive your grace now. And now, Lord, help me, like Jean Valjean, help me, Lord, to spend the rest of my life saying thank you, Lord, and to do that by paying it forward to everyone I meet and to declare the incomparable riches of your grace everywhere that I go. And if you're praying with me and you're a believer, you're a Christian, just continue to do that. And if you haven't been doing that, and if you haven't been living a life of gratitude, if you've taken God's grace and mercy for granted, would you just say, Father, forgive me for not living with thanksgiving and for not paying it forward to others. Lord, you've been so gracious and so merciful to me. You've treated me with such kindness, Lord, and I failed to, to show that same kindness to others. Forgive me, Lord, and help me now to live the rest of my life paying it forward and to do it for your sake. Thank you, Father, for your kindness to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.